Today I'm talking to Sarah Beth Meyer, author of the Gospel of Matthew for Little Ones. Sarah, it's good to be talking to you today. Yes, great to talk to you too, Chris. So this is the sort of project that usually an author doesn't do unless they have a very special connection to the gospel. Can you talk to me about your own walk with God? Are you a cradle Christian or a convert? I guess I'd have to say both. I was raised definitely in the church, um, but sort of the typical American Catholic experience. Yes, we went to Sunday Mass, and yes, we had the Advent wreath. Um, Other than that, faith formation... um, like a lot of things over the last 20, 30 years, was a little hit or miss. Um, frequency of confession, um, celebrating a feast days, it was all as it could fit sort of into the family schedule. And it wasn't until um, really I applied to be the DRE at our church um, kind of humorously with just an elementary education degree and thought that, oh, that'd be fine, and realized how very, very much I had to learn, and uh, actually went back for a Master's of Theology and was absolutely blown away by the treasury of our faith, and um, of course, the more you know, the more you love, and so mm-hmm. it's, when you when you say cradle or, or convert, it, it's been a, an ongoing conversion, for sure. Yeah. I think that's true for a lot of us, really. It doesn't matter if you've been raised it or not, there are there are kind of turning points or points where you grow, you go deeper. So where did, talk to me about then your relationship, not just with the faith, but with the Bible itself. Kind of where, where did you well, really learn to love the uh-huh. gospel? In the daily readings, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, they come to my inbox. And so uh, over the years, just living more and more liturgically, uh, living the rhythms of the liturgical year, seeing the beauty of the gospel, the theme and variation of the four gospels, mm-hmm. Jesus being the gospel, the good news himself. And uh, our oldest son is named Luke. That's my favorite gospel. And mm-hmm. uh, that was sort of my stepping in point to the word and to understanding, again, just the theme and variations, the differences, the beauty. And then uh, really beginning to appreciate the different tellings of the story of the life of our Savior and understanding the particularities of each telling. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just, it's, it's been amazing because we sort of as the faithful paint with such a broad brush and don't realize that, that every author and every audience uh, brings a different component to the whole. Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned the gospel of Luke specifically, because that, that's also known as the Gospel of Mercy, and that was the gospel that there was a special focus on in the jub- extraordinary Jubilee Year of Mercy back in 2015-2016. So that's really appropriate. Oh. So how did you move from this love and appreciation for Scripture to be inspired to create this this project? It was really um, a fruit of, of the mess of the, the pandemic and, and the global shutdown. Um, I had been involved in a couple of groups, I think, that sort of tilled the soil of my heart. One was a, a very small book study. We, we continue to meet even now, uh, where we meet, we read spiritual classics together. Just a couple other homeschool moms and I get together, and um, things like Interior Castle, Story of a Soul, um, Imitation of Christ, books that are a little bit hardier that we mm-hmm. probably wouldn't just kind of get through on our own, and we would just meet and maybe take a whole school year to get through one. Um, and that was such a call to littleness, the saints over and over and over again, you know, we get to stand on the shoulders of giants as they call us to littleness. Mm-hmm. 
And so that um, was one aspect. And then another one is Sunday afternoons, um, I meet with this powerhouse of a prayer group. They're some of the oldest people in our congregation, and it's supposed to be a divine mercy hour. Um, I don't think it's ever shorter than an hour and 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, it's the Divine Mercy Chaplet and the Rosary, uh, different consecration prayers, and just really being steeped in the mercy of God, the joy of the gospel, again, littleness. And all of that um, was sort of the foundation. So when when we all stopped meeting, as everyone was, was shut down and quarantined and locked down, um, mm -hmm. In contrast to that, the voices in the secular world were um, so angry and, and there was so much confusion and so much rancor at that adult level that I really just kind of receded into the home and would be would wake up every day and of course, like I said, would read the the daily readings and mm -hmm. felt such a personal call to littleness and the joy of the gospels. It was just it was such an obvious difference from what was going on, you know, out in the larger world and. Um, I just started praying and and really steeping myself in, in the good news, in the joy of Jesus Christ. Meanwhile, my friend Allison was kind of therapeutically painting her way mm -hmm. through lockdown. And she'd send me these beautiful little pictures online of her kids playing or, or even just scenes out in the world or mass that was streamed. And in the midst of that, there was a priest who had requested that she do sort of a whimsical variation of the of the four icons of the evangelist. And I said, hey, what if we did something like that? Mm -hmm. And we began to pair my writing with her artwork. I started waking up and prayerfully considering the Gospels specifically, um, not just in the, in the liturgical year of the lectionary cycle, but mm -hmm. uh, I said, well, let's... Why don't we why don't we try this? Why don't we look at, at the gospel? So so we started with Mark because it was it itself was the earliest written and it's the shortest. So mm -hmm. let's you know, let's start with a bite size. And um and I would pray come Holy Spirit and all of a sudden this sort of lyrical text started coming. I was like, wow, I, I was amazed and delighted. It was, this was not my plan at all. Yeah. And when I would hit a little road bump, I would just stop and say, Jesus what do you want us to know about you? Mm -hmm. It was just this authentic little prayerful kind of reflection every morning. And so we did that and I would send her these stanzas and, and we kind of in the beginning wondered, well, you know, how many illustrations should go to something like this? And, and it, it seemed right for her to paint maybe one out of every three. And so we said, well, okay, let's look at that. What would it look like if we had three stanzas and a picture on the other side? And, and we got through Mark and, and as God would have it, it was 42 stanzas, which divides very nicely mm -hmm. <laughs> into three. Like, oh, that's 14 pages. And um, she said, okay, well, that went well. What should we do next? Well, let's let's take a look at Matthew. Oh, my goodness, Matthew, that's <laughs> 28 chapters. That's so much bigger. Mm -hmm. And so we had the parameter of Mark set, and we continued through all the Gospels. And then as lockdown stopped and people kind of reemerged, uh, we were – we were into this. We weren't just going to stop because we were no longer quarantined. And um, we continued, and I felt like we really got our footing with Luke, which, like you said, is so fitting. It's my favorite gospel. It's the name of our firstborn. And, um, and Allison's illustrations by Luke were just stunning, her uh, use of light and, um, and classic Christian themes. Uh, mm -hmm. It really just paired so beautifully with the text. And so 
when we go back and we read everything now, we're still so moved. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like our work, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Uh, yeah, that that's a that's a, an experience common, I think, to uh, Christians who take the gospel and transpose it to art or to to literature. Um, but you, so you're you're talking about kind of a, a, your broader project, and this book is specifically the Gospel of Matthew, correct? Yes. Okay, so this is the first the first in a series. So talk to me a little bit about about your preparation, because it wasn't just your own personal faith and, and your own personal reading that was preparing you for this. You also had an education that, that set you up to do this sort of thing, right? Correct. Um, I am a teacher by trade. I've taught in uh, Catholic school and public school and now homeschool, uh, especially for homeschool. We homeschool through elementary uh, Education is our bread and butter. My husband actually is a district administrator here in our local school district, and all of our older kids are teachers. So we just love to learn. We love to share information. And then, as I noted earlier, my master's is in theology. And so to pair that in the day-to-day, in the education of my children, and in how I help out in the community with faith formation, it's just, it's really my joy. And so um, this didn't, seem like my intention when we sat down and started out, but it was really mm-hmm. kind of a, a beautiful, natural, and supernatural fruit yeah. of what I've been doing for, really, for decades, because I also, um, I speak and I write normally for adults, mm-hmm. uh, you know, magazine articles and retreats and, and um, staff mornings or reflections for churches, things like that. And so uh, this is such a delightful thing to bring along. The Gospel of Matthew, over these last couple months, um, during Advent and Christmas season, to to bring this book along, where at first might be dismissed by adults, like, oh, that's a nice children's book, you know, but then talking about, um, I had a specific presentation I've been giving called The Gospel of Matthew for All Ages, and um, a bit of a double entendre there, in that, you know, in the arc of salvation history, and then in presenting the good news to people of all ages, you know, mm-hmm. from knee-high to, you know, triple digits. And, uh, and it's, it's been a, a beautiful little jewel at the end of the presentation to go through the beauty of the gospel of Matthew and then to say, but this doesn't have to be beyond your reach. You can share this even with the youngest faithful. And then to do the book as a read aloud, because mm-hmm. what I've noticed, uh, lyrically, this book, even though I actually wrote it, I am still learning mm-hmm. where to emphasize where to pause, where um, the inflection of the voice, what's necessary. Like the Holy Spirit, as, as Jesus said, how he would, you know, remind us and convince us and convict us. That's even happening in this telling. Um, as, as a read aloud, it's, it's really essential to stay open to the Spirit. Yeah. Well, and I think it's a, a sign of a good project when, even when the author comes back to it again and again, that there's more there than, than they remember putting in. Sort Amen. of the, the consequence of being open to the Word of God, it, it tends to be richer and deeper than you expect. So, <laughs> well said. So the edu- your education and, and your family life came together in this in a way that I think— Very much so. Kind of the... Very much so. It, it was a riot. Mm-hmm. Um, being quarantined with our youngest seven children, I had a captive audience, mm-hmm. and I had a house full of editors— um, and critics, yeah. we're 
we're pretty much an iron sharpens iron kind of family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when when this started developing, I'd say, hey, you guys, what do you think of this? And oh my goodness, if if a rhyme, if a cadence didn't land, mm-hmm. oof, did I hear about it? Yeah. <laughs> I'd say, mom, you can do better than that. <laughs> and um, so they must have done a good job because it was a blessing um, when when you guys accepted it for print. I wasn't asked to change a single stanza, so <laughs> I guess they're they're pretty good at their job in, in keeping mom on the street and narrow. We appreciate all help from copy editors, yes. <laughs> so talk to me about why it's so important to retell the gospel story to each generation, why it isn't just like simply reading it at people, but, but kind of retelling and making it your own. Oh, well, isn't that the truth of our salvation history? Um, you know... I didn't know until going for this master's years ago that the letters preceded the writing of the Gospels, that we had communities of believers mm-hmm. living the faith, being church, um, telling the stories, edifying, encouraging, admonishing one another. And then as the years passed, right, like, oh, we better get these written down. So, you know, the Gospels weren't written, as you know, until, you know, decades mm-hmm. into the life of the Church. So it was important to tell, and then it was important to record. You know, let's not lose this. And so we have that heritage of faith that we have inherited, we need to pass on, and in the telling of every generation, both to help them learn, but then to help them inform the world, right? Mm-hmm. We have an apologetic faith, one that is worth defending and sharing and, and explaining the greater mysteries of the universe, because you know, Jesus is the good news. And so the gospel is really the heart of it. And, and as St. Jerome said, you know, ignorance of, of scriptures, ignorance of Christ. Mm-hmm. So since he, he is the good news, and since we're drawn into relationship with him, it's absolutely essential to, to know the gospels. And again, you know, no single gospel telling can capture it all. I love, even at the end of James, I'm sorry, John, where um, it says, you know, there's so much more mm-hmm. than this, but this, this has been recorded so that you may believe. Yeah. You know, just we have these little gems in our pockets, and, you know, woe to us if, if we don't share them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's common today, I think, for peop- for parents to think, oh, I'll let my kids decide. I won't, uh. I won't push anything on anyone, <laughs> on anyone. I won't, I'll let my kids decide when they're old enough. What's wrong Lord with that? Have mercy. Yeah, what's oh, wrong with everything, that? Everything. And, you know, homeschooling, you're pretty much privy to kids don't know what they don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to let my kid decide to t- toilet train or mm-hmm. learn their multiplication tables or learn that it's good etiquette to write thank you notes or mm-hmm. hold the door for people. There's so much that I would never let my children decide for themselves, let alone their eternal salvation, mm-hmm. you know, unformed. And so, Oh, I just encourage people like this. You know, why would you leave their eternal soul up to a shrug? Like, mm-hmm. just oh my goodness, if you wouldn't let them decide other things for themselves, you know, and and have other family values and traditions, why, why this? The most essential thing, our yeah. our actual heritage of faith. Yeah. Yeah. So then the retelling is is the handing on of a gift. It's not the imposition of a burden, right? Oh. Well, and, and again, the joy. I mean, here I am, a you know, fairly grown adult, and I was looking around, and there were no answers. Mm-hmm. The, the truth was all a question mark. People were talking about following the science. It was, it was such a glaring opposition to what we know as children of God. 
And it it was in response to that 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 I could hear the call of of the joy of the gospel and the call to be little and to trust our Heavenly Father who is ever providential. And so it it was really a grace that things went so horribly wrong on a global level. And I mean, it's a sort of a shame that it took that kind of shakeup for, for me to realize the, the joy. But, um, you know, God mediates His grace and the texture of our lives. And so um, it's such yeah. a gift for me to be able to share this joy that I've been given. Um, mm-hmm. It's in a complete grace that you guys saw it. You know, that Allison and I, this is not our, our background. You know, Allison's a pediatrician. She's not an illustrator. I'm not an author with an agent. But for, mm-hmm. for this to be a work of the Spirit, and then, as the scriptures say, you know, that God would bring it to completion and that you guys would see the, the value of this. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my goodness, out and about, people are so grateful. Uh, older people especially come up and just thank me. They say, thank you for, for doing this. Thank you for doing this work. And it's, um, it has spread through the community. I, I live in an area, um, very very ecumenical area, being in the south and um, a little tiny Christian bookstore here in my town, they said that they normally will order perhaps three of an item. They're on their fifth bulk order. Hmm. And and I also coach soccer at this really massive Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And, um, and during practice, there's a little devotional time. And when Matthew came out, I would pull out the book and I would do a read aloud in practice with, with the kiddos. And yeah. Everything that I hoped to do with my own children, they were responding with joy. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ways, a great way to read it is to read the first lines. They're, they're in stanzas that are quatrains, so four lines, and it's a rhyme scheme. So if you read the first three, they can usually guess that fourth rhyme. Well, it gets them to pay attention. Mm-hmm. It gets them to understand the lyrical nature of our language. It helps them in reading comprehension, like what would make sense you know, mm-hmm. what, what is Jesus saying here? And they were caught up in it to the point where those were some of the first families that I knew that, that bought the book were these Baptist families. It's been an absolute joy, the universal message of the gospel told in this way. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. That's really interesting how, how quickly it's spreading and how far that it's reaching. Um, Amen. It usually is difficult to share things from a Catholic press or Catholic authors with non-Catholic brethren, unless, of course, it's the Bible itself, but no one quite notices that exception, usually. So talk to me about... It's been... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's been great. It's the joy. I was I was a little concerned as well that there might be some suspicion, mm-hmm. um, but the joy in the gospel is is undeniable and to just share it and because it's a read aloud um my little guys my my toughest editors have helped me memorize the whole book and so whenever i share it with someone they can hold it and they can look at it and i will i will just say the verse Mm -hmm. and so they can hear the rhythm they can hear the truth they can hear the joy and in that one little store that i mentioned i i went in sight unseen we had never touched base before but i brought the book and um, as you said, with with the Catholic quality, I was a little bit like, oh, oh, you know, like, oh, look at there's the insignia for Marian Press, and oh, there's the reference to the Catechism on the back, and mm-hmm. you're just kind of praying <laughs> that nothing would impede um, them being receptive to it. And as I was reading it, um, 
one of the owners, in a very charismatic way, literally put her hand in the air and in praise and worship mm-hmm. as I was just going through the the text of the book. Like it, it really, it really moves people. And families have said that they're memorizing it. Um, my little guy is in mass when when it's being referenced uh, from like in a homily or whatever when we're going back through the gospel. Mm-hmm. They'll lean next to me and and they'll start whispering the stanza that it goes. I just delight in that. Like yeah. how, that's what we all want, right? Yeah. We all want our kids to to breathe the good news. Absolutely. Well, and and the difference that it makes in people's lives is proven by some of the greatest saints, both in the Catholic Church and in the other the other uh, Christian bodies in various levels of communion. Usually comes through the scriptures that the great monastic reforms came through the deep reading of the scriptures that a lot of the the conversions of some of the major saints of the church came through the scriptures. Francis of Assisi found the guidance for the Franciscan order by looking in into the Bible. Um, Anthony of of Egypt went to the desert when he heard the scriptures. That that this is such a transformative and powerful thing that it's not simply a matter of kind of memorization or making sure it's remembered, but that it, it actually does change people and therefore change the world. Amen. Amen. And this project has changed Allison and me so much. Um, you know, it took us a while to to find you, and the whole time we're praying mm-hmm. and praying and praying, and... Um, and just really trying to detach, you know, when you do something like this, it's so hard for it not to be your own, you know, and, um, and just really trying to let go. Well, Matthew is so much about the works of mercy, you know, Matthew 25, mm-hmm. but the corporal works of mercy really, really spoke to us. And so the time that it took for us to, to begin to look for a publisher until we came upon Marion Press was a year and mm-hmm. we were praying that whole time. And it was June 20 of 2020 that I first uh, messaged Alice and I said, we need to start, I think we need to start looking for a publisher. Well, that was the feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And so mm-hmm. I said, let's put this whole project under her protection. And so she agreed. And so whenever we would, would email, you know, I would let her know. And um, so I'd say, okay, Hail Mary times three. And we would just keep praying and sending out. And during this whole time, little by little, we were nudged to live the truth that we were sharing in that. We said, you know, um, if this is profitable at all, we should really look where we can send the prophets. What, what's corporal works of mercy? Well, what, who are the little ones? What, what might that mean? Does that mean, you know, a pro-life cause? Might that mean children with cancer? What, what might that mean? And we just kept praying and praying. Well, Matthew 25 just worked so much on our hearts that um, we have found charitable causes. Uh, Allison in China, she, you know, being a doctor, and then her parents are Taiwanese, um, she's sending her profits to, it's called Little Flowers of China, and they, they do surgeries, like craniofacial things, like children who are abandoned, who won't even be considered for adoption yet because their needs are so severe. Mm-hmm. And then I... And giving mine here to Casa Juan Diego in the Houston area, which began as one Catholic worker house, but the needs of of the varying populations in our area are so immense, it's it's swelled to 18 houses. Well, just people hearing that we are not looking to profit off 
the word, mm -hmm. encourages them even more. People are coming up to us with stacks of books to sign. And it's they're sharing the good news, and they're even more exuberant about it. And if you don't mind, I would love to share that stanza sure. of Matthew 25 that, that rooted in our hearts so deeply. Mm -hmm. So it's... Um, it says, Jesus said, when judgment comes, it won't be what they think. Did they feed the hungry, give a thirsty one a drink? Faith is more than just believing. It is service done in love. God lives in every person, not just on his throne above. Yeah. And so getting to partner with Marion Press, where you guys are so solid, so true to the word, into the magisterium, and have been doing works of mercy all of these years, like it, it's it's a blessing beyond compare. Mm -hmm. I'm glad. <laughs> it's it's always <laughs> good to find good ways to proclaim Jesus, divine mercy incarnate, to the world, and there are a few better ways than letting Scripture speak um, and speak to a different generation. But talk to me a little about how you did it. What principles of teaching or catechesis or evangelization guided how you wrote your poetic paraphrases? Well, as I said, I'd wake up in the morning when it was still quiet, and I would read a chapter or two of the Gospel and, mm -hmm. and, and look for what is, what is the, it saying on the page, not mm -hmm. just what I think it's saying. You know, not, oh, I remember this part. No, what, what is here? What what. With specificity, what is here? And um, when when the rhyming text began to emerge, it was it was a beautiful guideline. But then it also really um, made the, it raised the standard because you can't just throw in any rhyming words. Mm -hmm. You know, it, has, it still has to be the truth. And that's one of the things that people ask me, like, "Oh my gosh." This is sound theology, and how did you get it to rhyme? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's how you know it's the Holy Spirit. Um, but in the natural, you know, homeschooling elementary for all these years. So I have nine children. Our oldest is um, 26. Our littlest is, is eight. So I've, I've been at this kind of presentation, this kind of sharing, uh, certainly our faith, but just general truths, what I want my kids to know, will put little things in, in rhyme, just um, little things in social studies or science. Like it's just, it's just kind of, those are great mnemonics for kids mm -hmm. and acquisition of language and, and really need nailing comprehension. And so we, we sort of operate this way here at, at home. And then it was funny because as I started writing the scriptures this way every day, I found that I was beginning to talk this way. <laughs> the kids would look at me if I was talking in rhyme, like, Mom. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was a riot. And then out in the world, I don't know if you remember, this was just a couple years ago, Hamilton was, you know, all the rage. And mm -hmm. so the whole world was kind of pulsating in rhyme. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it was so nice to, to be able to do the good news in, in a rhyming form rather than, you know, something horrible. Are you suggesting that someday there's going to be a rap or hip-hop rendition of your book? Well, I will say, um, in some context, I do sort of slide into a little bit yeah. more syncopated telling of the book. It's true. There's <laughs> a funny thought. There, there's something deeply traditional about that, since I think, you know, Odyssey, Iliad, some of the earliest stories we have, Dante and the Divine Comedy, you have this this legacy of humans telling stories in verse. It's not just Amen. a narrative telling, it's it's very specifically either rhyming or some other kind of poetic form. So it's a sound tradition to stand in. 
Well, thanks. Thanks for the affirmation. I absolutely love it. And there are so many mic drop moments in in the Gospel of Matthew for Little Ones. Uh, for example, in the very, very beginning, you know, it's so clear how the light has come to shine in the darkness. Like mm-hmm. right in the beginning, Jesus's life is at risk. And the very last stanza of the very first page says that so clearly because it, it begins with the betrothal, and then it goes on to the, the wise men and, and Herod and, and how fear, you know, darkens the senses. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that last stanza, again, if, if I could share that, I, I just, it's, it's so poignant. It says, Herod was the local king, and he was full of fear. A babe was born who'd take his throne, and he was so near. This could be the mighty one, the prophecy fulfilled. Herod didn't know which babe. He'd have all boys killed. And that's some of the feedback we've gotten from families is like, wow, how are you writing a children's book? And you're not backing off the truth. Mm-hmm. Well, see, if you turn the page, you know, it's not scary because in the very next stanza is how the family is, is taken care of. An angel came to Joseph once again and said to flee, go to Egypt, settle there, protect your family. The three escaped. They stayed away until Herod's death. They returned when it was safe and lived in Nazareth. And that's why I tell people, you know, it's the Holy Spirit, because who mm-hmm. rhymes with Nazareth? That's crazy. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is a good point. <laughs> so in light of that, what was the hardest passage of Scripture to adapt for this book? Matthew itself is so large, mm-hmm. so well-known, and has so many jewels of our faith mm-hmm. that um, having begun with Mark, which was, it's not as perhaps um, appealing for for some of the younger audiences Mm -hmm. because it doesn't have the infancy narratives, but it's short, right? So it was a good way to get our feet wet. Mm -hmm. But Matthew, Matthew is so big and does so much. And so I just trying to get it all in, 28 chapters in only 42 stanzas. And like I said in the beginning, you want the particularities of each gospel. So what is particular to Matthew? And yet you can't leave out the similarities, right? You have to mention the feeding of the 5,000. You have to have the transfiguration. So what is that balance? So it really was praying and writing so slowly, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. Every literally with every stanza and every edit. Um, and I will say with Matthew, one of the things that delights me is um, the Beatitudes. So Matthew is particular that the one, it's just Matthew and Luke that have the Beatitudes. And two, Matthew, it's, it's Sermon on the Mount, right? Because Matthew has the Jewish character of his gospel. He's always drawing back to mm-hmm. the Old Testament. So you've got, you know, Joseph in the dreams. You've got the Beatitudes on the Mount, like the Ten Commandments. And, and we can't lose those nuances in this telling. We can't just shrug and say, well, this is for kids. That's fine. I'll get that later. No, mm-hmm. we have to include that. So it was really cool when it came time to write Matthew 5, and amazingly, all eight Beatitudes were included in these two stanzas, Mm -hmm. and the fact that it was on a mountaintop. So the two stanzas for the Beatitudes are, Jesus healed and preached and soon was followed by a crowd. He climbed a mount to teach them all, to make his message loud. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Chris, start counting. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the mourning and the meek, hungry, merciful, clean of heart. It's God that you seek. Blessed are the peacemakers, the persecuted too. 
If you suffer for my sake, heaven welcomes you. You are the salt. You are the light. Don't hide your faith inside. By the good deeds that you do, your Father's glorified. It's a great achievement. How cool is that? It's yeah. not even, I mean, it's a work of the Spirit. Like, really, all the Beatitudes and, mm-hmm. and the idea of shining your light out in the world, like, that's the gospel. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's, it's one of those things that you don't really believe until you're in the middle of it. When you're, when you're sharing the gospel, when you're sharing Jesus, that something helps. That things become possible that seemed impossible or the hard becomes easy. It's not that it's always easy and it's not that he removes every single obstacle. It's just that they're not the <laughs> obstacles still there that you expected. Amen. Well said. Well, experience talking. <laughs> what was what was the easiest passage? I mean, you've kind of talked about being lifted up on this wind of the Spirit, but was there anything that just you looked at and you knew immediately what to do with it? Oh, I mean, that would really be presumptuous on my part because I didn't know. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't come with a preconceived notion. I, I don't, even when I speak like to, to people, when I give presentations, mm-hmm. um, I'm blessed with a, a pretty deep and broad knowledge of what I'm going to discuss. So I don't, I don't come with a game plan. I, I really just pray. Like you said, it's experience talking, right? So I try to stick to what I know and just pray, come Holy Spirit. So I don't try to manhandle or micromanage the truth. Mm-hmm. And so I pray and proceed. And so when I would sit down with every chapter, I would pray and proceed, pray and proceed. And the things that would come out, um, I would like giggle because they were so delightful. One of the stanzas that worked the very best was uh, the calling of Matthew, which, you know, how fitting is that, right? <laughs> because it's the gospel of Matthew. Yep. And it was, it was so so wonderful, um, the calling of Matthew. And what's really neat is Allison, um, she used a Caravaggio painting, and I guess that's one of her favorite Christian artists, she'll say. And so there's the Caravaggio calling of Matthew is very dark and very chaotic, and she mm-hmm. simplifies it and just pulls out the main elements. And so it's really fitting that one of her favorite illustrations goes with one of my favorite stanzas, and it is, um, Then our Lord passed Matthew, working at a customs post. He called him as another friend to share God's love the most. Why did he come near the tax collectors and the sinners? He even went into their homes and gladly shared their dinners. I I love that stanza because it's so relatable, Mm -hmm. and that is the Scripture. There was nothing tweaked about it. That's that's how it reads. Yep. That's cool. That's a lot of fun. So— Along these lines, kind of taking this and looking at it from a particular lens that the church tends to use about some of this stuff, is there a sense in which we can think of preparing this sort of gospel for little ones as a sort of enculturation of our faith? We don't usually think of kind of the ages as being different cultures, but I think that that's increasingly true. You know, because it's a read-aloud and because parents are encouraged to read to their children, it really lends itself... Uh, to bedtime reading, mm-hmm. to nap time reading, that kind where you're 
we're in the affect, right? You're kind of getting cozy and it's a, it's a trust building time. Mm -hmm. And so to have the good news in front of you, to have that lyrical rhyme as you're, as you're going off to sleep, what a comfort. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. like wrapping the blessed mother's mantle around us. It's just, it's so beautiful. We've had families say, like, we love reading this at night. Like, this is a great bedtime story. Mm -hmm. Um, And because it can be read in one sitting, you get the arc of the gospel in 15 minutes. You know, Matthew's 28 chapters. Very few families are going to sit down and read 28 chapters. Mm-hmm. But you can sit down and, and read this. And, it, I mean, it really is a page-turner, especially mm-hmm. because uh, on one side are the stanzas and the other side are illustrations. So even mm-hmm. children pre-language can hear the, the melodic reading, and they can see the pictures. They can point out... Uh, the elements, you know, when parents ask, and then as they get a little bit older with reading comprehension and understanding the gospel, they can point from the illustration to which stanza, uh, to which it corresponds. And then as they get older, like my, my little guys, how they're hearing the actual gospel and mass, and they're still connecting it back to these stanzas. And then hopefully the enculturation then will go from acquisition, right, then to apologetics. Once the children are steeped in the good news and in our faith as a whole when they are sent forth. Because look, Mass, Missa, right? We all go forth in mm-hmm. whatever way that happens. And to take that good news with them, the, the light of the gospel, one, ecumenically, as, as we've witnessed in our community mm-hmm. among uh, non-Catholic Christians, and then in the greater context, in this time where there's such brokenness, such misery, you know, what better way to share the light of the Lord than, than joyfully? Mm-hmm. You know, why would, why would people want to join us? We, you know, we're, already, we're already encouraging prayers, fasting, and almsgiving, which doesn't sound super joyful. So if, if what we have doesn't bring us joy, like First Peter 3.15, right? Be ready to give an apologia, a defense, explanation for the joy, the hope that lies within you. If we don't have that hope, that joy, mm-hmm. you know, woe, woe to us, right? It didn't, I mean, Paul said we're the most pitiable creatures of all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to, to steep our kids in that, to comfort them in it in our homes, and then to send them forth armed with the gospel in, the, in a joyful way. I mean, what better enculturation is that? Yep. Yep. It's an interesting point, kind of a culture of joy countering either a culture of despair. I mean, John Paul spoke about the culture of death, but I think I think what you're what you're describing is sort of a culture of confusion or or a culture of um, of obsc- I don't know obscurity. I almost want to say versus yes, and even self loathing. Even I mean, mm-hmm. look look what's what we're telling our young people that if if they don't like how they feel about themselves, literally. To, to take drastic measures. It's, it's the saddest thing that the, the lack of, of love, of authentic embrace, of authentic transcendent dignity, just because God made them and loves them, that, that whole message is being lost. Like I said, I have three teenagers, and um, we have these conversations all the time because they're called in their spheres out in the world to be tolerant, but they see such misery. And so we have to discuss, you know, at a pretty deep level, what that means for our mm-hmm. personal faith, what that means socially, how to love and accept someone where and how they are um, 
in in a joyful way because tolerant there was a great homily in time jesus never said tolerate one another mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just horrible right that's that's not even a value but we're called to love so once we have that steeped in our in our homes in the domestic church and we start bearing those fruits of the spirit out in the world mm-hmm. it's noticeable and and people i hope i hope in the very near future realize that we don't all have to agree mm-hmm. to be charitable. Yeah. So last question, what encouragement would you give to parents who feel ill-equipped or discouraged about sharing the gospel with their kids? Oh, just start. The gospel is the good news. In a format like this, um, which is such an encouragement, is mm-hmm. you don't have to know a whole lot going in. You read the book, uh, it's explained, and then in the right-hand margin, we have all the chapter citations. Uh, as I mentioned, I've got kiddos who are teenagers, and one of them had a friend over, and, and I asked him to sit down. And, you know, my kids are always rolling their eyes like, oh, Mom, the book. But he, he gladly agreed, and he sat down, and he found it delightful, and he had forgotten about mm-hmm. the temptation in the desert. And he looked. He goes, is this for real? And so it's great because since it's a children's book, it's so disarming. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to find out more, we we literally treated every chapter of every gospel. So all 28 chapters of Matthew are right there. So if you do find something, you're like, wait, is that how they went down? You can look into that. So Mm -hmm. for adults, they don't have to know everything. They don't have to have a master's in theology. They need to love God and their kids and call on the Holy Spirit to do the rest. Well, thanks so much, Sarah, for being willing to share. Today, You're I've, welcome. It's been a joy. Yeah. Today I've been talking to Sarah Beth Meyer, author of The Gospel of Matthew for Little Ones. To order The Gospel of Matthew for Little Ones by Sarah Beth Meyer, illustrated by Allison Sue, please visit shopmercy.org. This has been Sparks of Mercy. Thanks for listening. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. Jesus, I trust in you. I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Thank you.